Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Tailing, a podcast about people for people. Welcome to Tailing, a space where we as millennials talk about the issues that matter to us. We explore the moments in life which moved, challenged and shaped us into the people we are. We're here to laugh, share, listen and talk about it all. Welcome back to the Taylor Podcast. Um, today I'm here with a special guest. Do you want to introduce yourself? Hey guys, my name is Gayala. Everyone just calls me Lala. Um, and yeah, I'm Lala. <laughs> awesome. Um, so we met, well, we kind of semi knew each other yep. through like social media. Yeah, yeah. But then didn't And then meet. we had like mutual friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was feel like, oh my God, you're so gorgeous. <laughs> I was like, ah. Oh. And then we met in person through like a mutual friend and we yep. did like a shoot together. Um, but what was really interesting for me was I didn't even know that you were like into poetry or you were like, you know, so like out spoken about yep. being like aboriginal and like yeah, all yeah. Of that like until I don't even know like sometime last year and I was like whoa this is so cool um so what is also really interesting is I did this podcast with um there's this guy called Aiden and he's like an artist and he's um Caucasian but very much so like outspoken about yep. like aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander um rights and whatnot mm-hmm. and so I thought it was interesting like perspective like coming from someone who's like Caucasian has grown up in Australia yep. and then you and I kind of just wanted to talk about your experience, sure. you know, in Australia, but I guess let's start from the start. Got that? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, where were you born? So, I was born here in Brisbane, and I was later on raised around Sydney, Redfern, and then Kempsey area, mostly New South Wales, and came back here around um, middle school, and then finished up high school around Brisbane, now back here. Oh my god, yeah. amazing. And tell me a little bit like about your family and like yeah. heritage and so, stuff. So um, I have a twin sister, a little brother, and my mum. Was it your twin sister at the show? Or was yeah, that? yeah, that was like, that was my like twin so... sister with big hair. Oh, yeah. that's so crazy. <laughs> it's nothing alike. Yeah. Absolutely nothing alike. So Everyone different. thought we were just friends or like cousins or something. Yeah, because <laughs> she's like really short and she's got big, like big hair, freckles everywhere. And then you just see me, long, slender, short hair. I'm like, oh, my God. But, yes, I have a twin sister, a little brother, um, and my mom. And we just – what was the question? (laughs) What was the question again? I was like, and we – and, yeah, we're a family, and we love being a family. (laughs) Now it's like, oh, tell me about your, like, your family dynamic and stuff. So, um, yes, I grew up here in Brisbane, um, mostly with my grandfather. And so my grandfather has nine girls. What? And so we all grew up in a big house. So all the nine girls had, they all had children. Yeah. So growing up, I had like 20 brothers and sisters, little cousins running around, nieces and nephews everywhere, uncles and aunties, which was really amazing because I feel like I needed that support and it 
it definitely um, mm. crafted me into who I am today. If I didn't have that family or if I didn't have all of that family around me, I feel like I wouldn't be the person I am today without all yeah. that support and energy. Yeah, yeah completely. Um, and when, like, you were in primary school, because I remembered... So I moved here when I was, like, seven. Mm-hmm. But when they would, like, you know, talk about history and stuff, yeah. and especially, like, you know, within Australia, mm-hmm. what did you learn about, like, Australia, like, through school? Like, just cutting off, hypothetically, if, like, your family hadn't told you anything about, like, Australia. Yeah, so it was really different. Um, when I went to middle school and then talking with my elders and my family, mm-hmm. they would tell me a lot different to how school would tell me about Australia and all the history and how Cap- Captain Cook came and you know colonization Mm. everything the way that they described it was more so um it was a great thing it was so great that this happened and we celebrate australia day and no one really cared about what happened to the first nations people of this land it was more about Mm. um you know this is captain cook and the first fleet and this is when they arrived um there was some like they touched i know that some days they would touch up on you know indigenous australians but it wasn't a full extent to where they would learn about other histories like Japanese and mm. like Asian cultures, New Zealander cultures. I remember learning all these um, cultures and all the history from other countries. Mm. And then it was like, well, hold on, we're in Australia and we don't even know where, what tribe this is or where we come from or what the real history is about Indigenous Australians, what really happened on that day of Australia Day. And it was really interesting because I would find myself always um, arguing with the teacher and say, oh, like, I don't think that's right. Like, it might have said that in the book, but my elders tell me differently because my their stories have been passed down from their elders and their elders and their elders and so forth. Mm. And so everything that I'm learning is firsthand. So they've seen it all for themselves. Mm. And so when I when I'm getting taught by a non-Indigenous person in a class full of everyone else and they're like, you know, well, this is this is what it says in this book, so it must be true. So a lot of things that, um, that I didn't learn in primary school and high school, I learned mostly from my elders and mm. that was the, the true history of Australia, which was really amazing, but not in the terms of, you know, going to high school and feeling neglected on that part of um, on, on Indigenous Australians. It was kind of mm. like harshed. I feel like, but you learn, if you wanted to learn more, you know, you had to go and do it yourself, not in the classroom, which was really sad. I feel like, because I feel like if you, if you live in Australia, you need to know about first and the first nations people of this land. Yeah. If you call Australia home, then you have to call everyone else. You know, this is, you have to share this home with everyone else. You have to learn about first nations people of this land and their rights and what's happening and what's going on. And, you know, political wise, any um, human, human rights, any wise that there is, I feel like you need to learn if you live in this, if you call this place home. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely have to learn about Indigenous Australians. Was that like a, I'm like, yeah. (laughs) I back that. just like repeat myself I'm just like okay I already said that just like, shut up now. <laughs> no, 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 no. it was good um when you were in like primary school was there like a lot of indigenous um like kids within your school not really so the first primary school I went to was in Sydney yeah um oh wait no probably okay so from kindergarten to 
grade two and grade three, I mm. uh, went to the Murray School, which was in Case Ridge, mm-hmm. and that was um, the, the first. School. That was the first Indigenous like mm. school in Queensland. Oh, so yeah. they created this mm-hmm. school. My uh, my grandfather and my grandfather's uncle Ross Watson and mm. um, and my grandmother, my great grandmother Maureen Watson, they created this school, mm. and it was purely run by Aboriginal people, which was amazing. Mm. And just to grow up to, I think. Um, grade three and four just to grow up around all these black people and all these beautiful faces and just be covered in culture and history and just being comfortable within myself and being comfortable with everyone else you know it wasn't like I was the odd one out and so growing up till grade four I felt really comfortable and I felt um, strong and I felt confident um, within my culture, within the knowledge that I was, you know, uh, learning every day within that school because they touched on every little thing, whether it was art, history, um, economics, everything about Indigenous culture, which was amazing. And then going to Sydney and then um, going to Marrickville, I think it was Marrickville Public School, and majority of most of the kids were white, Asian, um, and, you know, a couple of New Zealander guys, but no no Aboriginal people whatsoever, which was like a cultural shock change. I was like, wow, like, this is really different. It was really, it was quite frightening. It was scary. I felt really scared and I felt as if I was being neglected, really, because yeah. I felt like there was nothing, there was no support for Indigenous kids where... We really needed that support. We felt like outsiders mm. because when you know when, when you went to primary school and you had you know a couple of Aboriginal students, you'd be like, oh yeah, he's Aboriginal, he's Aboriginal, um, but that's it. You mm. know, there's just probably a, hand, a handful of them, five or a dozen or whatever, mm. and then most of the school, you know, would be Caucasian or mm. uh, like Asian. Yeah, and it was really it was upsetting. I felt um, I felt like an outsider really. Like there wasn't there wasn't enough um I feel like there wasn't enough knowledge Mm. to be shared within the Aboriginal community so I feel like they didn't um they didn't go out of their way to kind of share that knowledge and to try and show other kids and um really educate kids about Indigenous Australians Mm -hmm. and also the history and everything else that comes with it and it was really quite um I don't know I I felt really alone kind of because I I, I had my twin sister and we would go to school and just being with my twin sister and feeling the same you know it was good having her by my side but then just to feel like we were the only Aboriginal people in that school it was it was very like a a very big change it was scary it was really scary and um, the racism just because there wasn't no education about Indigenous Australians, everyone had that stereotypical thought. Of, oh, really? Like, of even ab- in primary school? Yeah, of an Aboriginal Australian, which was really, like, which was really quite sudden, I feel like, because when you're yeah. growing up, I think it was around uh, grade five, grade six, you don't really, I mean, I mean you're not born racist, yeah. you know what I mean? So that no. all that stereotypical narcissist racism is pushed on to mm-hmm. people and it's... Um, it's kind of motivated by other people or whether yeah. it's coming from home, parents, friends, it's it's always going to be spread around racism, you know? Yeah. So I feel like growing up, I was like, uh, when I first got that, oh, are you Abbo or yeah. are you a Coon or, you know, all these disgusting really? names. Yeah, in, in primary school, which That's was really crazy. disgusting. I, I felt like, who who are you to judge me? You know, mm. you, you come from another country to our country and you know nothing about our 
our language, you know nothing about our tribes, you know nothing about our culture, our history, you know nothing. And just to call me a stereotypical name, which you're not really sure of or whether I am Aboriginal or not, is really quite disgusting mm. considering we're only young, you know, and you haven't yeah. been taught about this. And I didn't, um, I mean, when I was younger, I did take it to offence, but I didn't quite, um, I didn't quite know the damages of, um, they didn't, you know, they didn't know that how yeah. they were being assault, insulting, you know, they didn't know that because they were so young, which yeah. I understand now. But when I was young, I used to get so angry because I used to get it all the time. And I was like, you know what? No, F you. Like, mm. I can't believe you. I'm telling the principal on you. Like, that's disgusting. How dare you? And now I feel like when I come across someone that doesn't really know anything about Indigenous Australians, I find that as an educate, an educating tool mm. instead of, you know, you know, that's really insulting. Yeah. Don't ever say that. And, you know, not um, elaborating on that and telling them why and letting them know more yeah. as to, you know, Indigenous Australians and why that's insulting or why you shouldn't or what you should do or should. And I felt like when I was younger, I should have took more opportunities like that to educate because if I feel like, I feel like if I, um, when I didn't do that, you know, that was more of a bad word coming across as to not just me, but my whole, yeah. my whole culture. Yeah. They would be like, you know, I will get that one negative thing from you. And then I'll just say that about the whole of that culture, you know, yeah. like that whole culture is so negative and it's toxic and whatever. And that's what people do. They, they base that, um, that description of that one person. Mm. And it's, it's really, it's really silly, but it happens everywhere with all cultures. I mean, mm. it's, it's only human to judge, you know? Yeah. But, um, being really young, you know, it was, it was quite really, um, shocking to mm. find so many young people yeah. that didn't really know anything. Yeah. But, um, I feel like it is improving, just not, not as much as we would like it because, you know, as we, as you know, we've been here for thousands of years and we fought for 230 years, nearly 300 years for our rights. And just till this day, I feel like we're still moving quite slowly. We're not there yet, but it is improving slowly, you know, which is mm. good. I mean, it's good just educating people and finding more about Indigenous Australians where, you know, when, when I was little, there was absolutely nothing, you know, mm. that, that was when things were starting to come up and things were starting to just move, you know? Yeah. Do you feel connected with like Australia as a whole? I do. I feel anywhere I go in Australia, I feel like I'm connected to the land. I feel whenever I go to new places of Australia, I have to take my shoes off and really put my feet in the dirt, literally like mm -hmm. stay grounded. I do. And I do do that every time I go somewhere new or whether I'm back on my country or wherever I go in Australia, I feel mm. like I have to connect to the land because if I don't, then that's disrespecting my, you know, my, my ancestors, my land, I should be here and acknowledging them. And that's what I do every time I go somewhere different. I acknowledge the land mm. because if it wasn't for the land, then we wouldn't be here. Mm. And that's what, that's what I like to remind other people, you know, we don't own the land, the land owns us. Mm. And I got reminded that from when I was just a baby, you know, yeah. to always respect the land. It is not anyone's land. It's, you know, the land owns us. It takes care of us. Mm. We don't take care of it. Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine if politicians like actually stuck by that rule, how different, right? you know, it would be like, even now there's so much like going on with climate change yeah, definitely. and like the environment. And it's just kind of like us not respecting yeah. where we're living and just kind of being like, for mm. sure. And just selling land like it's yeah. nothing yet yeah, mining across the whole of Australia is disgusting and to have mm. 
politicians talk on behalf of Aboriginal people and they're Mm. not even Aboriginal, they're not Indigenous at all. Mm. And it's like to talk on our behalf is so disrespectful. Mm. You're crossing cultural sacred barriers, you know, that should never be crossed. Mm. You're mining sacred land, you're, you're mining sacred land sites things that we can't get back, things that you can't, you know, how they will, um, they'll put, they'll say, oh, we'll just um, redo the land. You know, after we mine it, we'll plant some new trees. We'll, yeah. We'll, we'll fix it up. Yeah. But once you, yeah. once you rip into that piece of land, there is no going back. You can't fix that land. It is already damaged. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to do there. You can fix it up. It, it might look pretty, but I'm not going to have that connection anymore mm-hmm. because it's already torn up. Yeah. And that's what they don't get. It's like, they kind of, you know, it's, it's oh, like spiritual. It's a bit mm. weird. They yeah. kind of don't get it, and it's. I don't think it's just not non-indigenous people. I feel like it's very European. Yeah. Um, because it it does like religion does come from European background, so I feel like um to be indigenous in this land, we are very spiritual people, and then to have other people try and talk us down and try and. Um, rehabilitate or try and um, talk for us Mm. they don't have that spiritual side to the land so how could they know how would they know Mm. so they 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 can't really understand it even if we were trying to explain it to them they would never understand it Mm. because they come from we all come from different backgrounds yeah until you know your own culture your spirituality your religion you're not going to understand mind Mm. so why should i try and make you understand you know yeah i feel like i don't push it i don't force it upon anyone i don't i feel like if that's your religion and that's your culture that's i will respect that that's yours you know and that is your opinion that is your right that is your human right and i fully understand that but if you come to australia and you want to know more and you really want to find out what's going on with um indigenous australians and how we feel about being in australia today i feel like come and like come and talk to us Mm -hmm. it is not insulting at all we we love a good chat we love having a good talk we can talk for ages you know (laughs) we love having a good laugh whether it be funny or whether it be a a, an emotional talk a conversation we always love that talk because we always know it's going to be educating and at the end of the day you're going to go off and educate other people Mm -hmm. which is going to be educate educating everyone you know so i feel like that from that one person i could be educating 20 people from that one person which is amazing but i feel like a lot of non-indigenous people I feel like they feel kind of scared or attacked yeah. to try and because they don't know what's insulting or what is. They feel yeah. a bit uncomfortable with talking about, um, you know, indigenous issues. People and get rights. so touchy, like about Definitely. race. Yeah, like, yeah. Even using the word black, mm, you know? or white people, black yeah. people. Yeah. When it's like, well, I can understand if someone is like trying to use it like as an insult, mm. but if people were just more like open to just yeah. like asking questions or just like having discussions and for it to not be like so much like negativity around Definitely. race that yeah. it would be so much better because then even like through conversation we're able to learn we're able to understand and it doesn't so much have to be like someone has to you know revolutionize mm. what they think for but sure to just give like you or us or them or whoever like a chance to just understand that perspective yeah yeah definitely i feel like if you were to break those barriers right there and then Mm. there would be like no uncomfortable touchy subjects you'd be like you know what i'm black you're white whatever who cares yeah we bleed red Mm. what do you want to ask me shoot you know yeah i feel like if you was to really break those barriers to anyone really it would be like okay i feel more comfortable now that's Mm. that's out that's gone you know all that 
all that negative um, energy is gone. So let's start and let's move on, let's move forward and let's start to get to know each other and let's start asking questions about each other's cultures or whatever you want to know, you know. Mm. If you break those barriers and really, you know, ask someone where they come from and who they are, not what they do. Yeah. It's like, wow, I can really talk to this person. This is yeah. another human being that I can have a good conversation with. Be connected with. to. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. that I can can relate to. You might be another colour, mm. but I could cre- relate to you in other ways, you know? How have you been treated from, like, other people that that kind of projection of what they think mm-hmm. of you without knowing who you are? Yeah, definitely. So I've um, I've had it from both races, actually, non-Indigenous, Indigenous. Oh, um, so like, yeah, growing up, because I'm light-skinned, um, growing up in my community, there was a lot of um, Aboriginal people that were very dark-skinned, mm. very black, um, mm. black to almost it was blue, you know, black, dark mm. blue. Like, it was crazy. But growing up in that community, I felt like I was being judged on both sides. I was either too white to be black or I was too black to be white. Mm. So it was like I come from other ethnicities. Yes, I'm Irish, South Sea Islander. Um, I've got Indian, Malaysian. I've got so many other backgrounds in there mm. that not many people would know when you see me. You know, you'd be like, yeah. oh, like you'd have to ask, what are you? Yeah. And it would be like, oh, well, after I say that, after I say, you know, I'm Aboriginal, um, I identify myself as Aboriginal because I grew up Aboriginal. I was raised Aboriginal. I got taught that culture, my spirituality, it all links to being Aboriginal. And so I will say that I am Aboriginal. My mum's Aboriginal and my dad's Aboriginal. Mm. And they might have some... Um, you know, some other races in there, but yeah. they are Aboriginal. We all grew up, you know, around yeah. that culture. So I will say that I'm Aboriginal. Mm-hmm. But I do um, I do acknowledge that I am from Irish heritage and from South Sea Islander heritage and all that other heritage. I do acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. But because I didn't really learn about those cultures, I will fully say that, yes, I am full Aboriginal. Yeah. And when people kind of see that, like when they hear that, they'll be like, oh, so you're not, like, a real Aboriginal. Mm. You're, like, a quarter or, like, half. (laughs) And I'd be like, well, it doesn't, like, we don't really say things like that. Mm. You can't really chop my hand off and be like, you know, this half is half Aboriginal and I'll (laughs) chop this foot off of here and this might be half Irish or South Sea Islander. And it was quite weird growing up. I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm half this and half that because I didn't really know. But when I look on it now, I'm like, hold on. You can't be half of anything. You know how you mm. send your DNA off and they'll yeah. come off and they'll be like percentages yeah. and all of that? I don't believe in that. And most of my family, most of my culture don't believe in that. You grow up how you feel and that's the way that you feel, then mm. that's who you are. Yeah. If you grow up like that, that's your culture, then take that 100%. That's who you are. Yeah. Acknowledge that. You know, go go all the way with that. If you're comfortable in how you were raised and your culture then you go do that. Mm. You go and educate people about your culture, you know. But I feel like growing up, there'd be people like, oh, like you're half this, you're half that, half caste, just because you you have a Mm. bit of Irish in you, that might mean you're half caste, white, black, whatever. And I feel like they would be, oh, well, if I wanted to see a real Aboriginal, I should just go up north somewhere or somewhere near up Cape York or Uluru Mm. to see a a real Aboriginal and just because their skin was darker than mine, I was yeah. considered not Aboriginal. And even in my own community, they'd be like, oh, you're not even Aboriginal, you're white. Like, look at you, I'm black, you're white. And I'd be like, well, I'm not necessarily white. You know, I'm, I'm tanned, mm. but I'm not white. Yeah. And just because I was that, you know, that different look and I had a bit of other ethnicities in my, um, in my cultural background, I'd feel very um, not ashamed, but very 
quite emotional about mm. it because I didn't feel like I fitted in anywhere. Yeah. I felt like I didn't fit in with my own mob or I didn't even fit in with non-Indigenous people. So it was really, um, it was really quite shocking. It was, I had a lot of, um, gr- like I had a lot of personality. I did know where I come from and who I was, mm. but I felt like going out in society, I felt that I was starting to lose who I was. So I felt like society was playing a big part in that yeah, role of and like me not knowing. Yeah, rather than and it, it was it was really scary because I felt like I came from such a strong background, a strong family who taught me so much and I knew so much. Yeah. And then to go out in the world and just be in total shock and be so scared and be like, wow, like, am I really this? Am I really Aboriginal? Am I, am I Irish? What am I? Like, where mm. do I fit in? Where's my group? Where's my place? Mm. Where can I have a say? Yeah. Where, where's that platform? Where can I actually talk and say who I am? Because I am proud of who I am, but the people that are trying to test me, I feel like they're making me feel like I shouldn't be proud of who I am because mm. I'm different. Yeah. And people don't realise that it's, it's okay to be different. Mm. Like, glow, like, be that different like take that out go go 100% being different mm-hmm. you know ex- explore that explore being different you don't have to be the same as everyone else and I feel like if we all had that talk with our little selves and yeah. just to say to our little selves and say you know it's okay to be different you don't have to be like everyone else and because there's that that one Australian you know that um, the Australian society, that look or that stereotypical uh, true yeah. Australian, that true blue Australian. Yeah. Is that, you know, the, Which is the very white much so person. Always in the media. Or like yeah, when that, people overseas think of Australia. Yeah. Not many people know. You know, yeah. when they come to Australia, they'll be like, oh, yeah, predominantly a white race. Yeah. Where people come here and it's just like, it's not a predominantly white race. There mm. are so many different ethnicities and cultures living in Australia, mm. but it didn't come from white people. Mm. This is not this is not a white um not white land but it's it, it's not um predominantly a white country. Yeah. You know, it, it wasn't born from white people. Mm. You know, it was born from black people. Black people and this country have raised have been raised together. You know, it came from mm. First Nations people of this land, Aboriginal people. Mm. And so I feel like now being in society, whenever I find that opportunity to um educate someone about you know my skin color or you know being white and black i'm like you know what i am i'm human you know i'm i am me i am lala but if you really want to know my cultural background i am aboriginal and i was raised aboriginal so i will say that i am aboriginal even though in your eyes i don't look aboriginal but what really does an aboriginal look like you know what i mean (laughs) so it's just like they have that stereotypical picture of a real aboriginal person but what is that real aboriginal person painted up in ochre and you know their dance outfit and is that what you're saying that i should look like should Mm -hmm. i be dressing like that just so i can show you that i'm aboriginal yeah it's it's disgusting yeah it's disgusting to feel like i have to define myself to you why do i have to do that you know yeah it's it's really quite shocking because when I feel like if you was to ask a white person, oh, who are you? Where do you come from? Yeah, people are like, oh, I'm Australian. Yeah, like, like open I came from to here, yeah. knowing like, and it's where like, they meet. Yeah, yeah and it's, it's just not... France and it's like, oh, exactly. Yeah, it's not really a touchy subject, mm. but when it comes to First Nations people of this land, it is very touchy because we didn't have a choice in us being, um, in us having stolen generation and other different cultural backgrounds in us. We didn't have a choice on whether we could be 
um, black, white or brown, whatever. We didn't have a choice. We didn't have a say in the matter. So when colonizers first came and, you know, about the stolen generation, how Mm -hmm. they took children away from their families, black children away from their families, they were trying to wipe us out. So that is why I have, you know, light skin. I might be light skin, but I grew up Aboriginal. I am black. Mm. And um, to go to my community and they'll be like, no, you're not black, like whatever, Mm. like you can say whatever you want. They're judging me just purely based on how I look. Mm. But if I was to talk to you and sit down and talk to you about culture and our spirituality and about this land and about our country and history, they'll be like, oh, wow, so you are Aboriginal. It's just like you can't define someone's looks purely based on their looks you mm. can't say that that's so it's so rude and it's it's okay for and and i don't find that insulting anymore because i feel like i should just educate people instead of just saying you know what that's just really insulting mate like you yeah. should just stop that and be so negative about it mm. i feel like no let's have a talk because i would really love to educate you about this because a lot of non-indigenous people have the same thoughts that you have and just educate that one person would be amazing because then they just share it with the rest of the world Mm. yeah yeah completely um like when you even started modeling like what triggered that so first i'd seen samantha harris and she was like you know that big the first big aboriginal model and i was like oh my god this is crazy yeah she's she's so tall she's gorgeous she's beautiful she's She's got mm. such beautiful features, mm. like strong Aboriginal features. Yeah. And just to see that was like, wow, like was very proud. I was, yeah. I felt very proud as an Aboriginal person to feel like, wow, we're, we're breaking the, mm, we're breaking the, the industry. Barrier. We're breaking that barrier of yeah. that, you know, that white model, that typical white model from Australia. Yeah. Because I mean, when you see um, people from Australia and people representing Australia going to supermodel pageants and everything, mm. they're predominantly you know, blonde, yeah. blonde hair, blue eyes, the white girl, size six, you know, yeah. very, very European looking. Yeah. And so when I first seen Samantha Harris, I was just like, wow, like that, that encouraged mm. me. I was like, I should take a stand. I should, I feel like there should be more women out there that should totally go into the modeling industry, whether they, whether they were short, tall, fat, skinny, whatever, mm. do that. If you're, if that's what you want to do, be confident in that. Take that hundred percent. You go and do that. You follow your dreams. If that's what you want to do, do that. Just but because How there's... did you get to that stage of being like so confident and just like, like, were you always like that because of your family or was there like a defining point? Yeah. So, you know, growing up with my family and, mm. um, having always having that support mm. and them just being very supportive and saying, you know what, you go and do anything you want yeah. just because you look different or mm. just because you have different colour doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you look like at the end of the day. If that's your dream, go and follow that. And yeah. I feel like I really, um, I really connect and draw my confidence from my elders because if it wasn't for my elders, then I definitely know I wouldn't be in this industry right now. Mm. They definitely made me the strong woman I am today. My great-grandmother, my grandfather, and as well as my mum, I, I was lucky enough to have so many elders growing up and educating me and, um, you know, telling me that this is who you are. Be mm. strong in that. You be, be confident in that. That's who you are. Mm. don't um don't frighten yourself don't get too scared of what's going on else in the world you know forget about society this is you and if that's what you want to do do that so I feel like I got most of my strength and all that confidence 
mostly from my family. Mm -hmm. But then when I did my first little runway show, um, which was for Black, Bold and Beautiful, it was run by Aboriginal people. So to be in that element and to be in that space where I was just surrounded by Aboriginal makeup artists, Aboriginal hairstylists, Mm. um, Aboriginal clothing designers, Aboriginal models, Aboriginal producers, just everyone was all Aboriginal. And so I was like, I felt really confident within myself to see all these amazing Aboriginal, beautiful women Mm. doing the same thing that I was doing. It was like, we all needed this. We all really needed to see everyone work together, not Mm. against each other. You know, I feel like in today's society, women are trying to be better than being on better platforms and trying to do better than everyone else and not um, being together, not uniting, not being powerful together. If we all came together, we would have such a strong, strong word Mm -hmm. and it would definitely, it would go worldwide, you know what I mean? Yeah. If If we all came together and just to unite. So um, to do that first runway show with Black, Bold and Beautiful, I felt like I gained a lot of confidence from that as well because it was majority of the people there were Aboriginal. Mm. And so I feel like that definitely gave me a lot more confidence. But then when I started to go to like castings and yeah. other photo shoots and um, I would walk into the casting and there would be mainly white girls mm. and I would kind of sit down and I'd try and make conversation with them but they weren't really interested it was like because I was different they mm. didn't really want to talk to me or because I was the only um black girl or tan brown girl there or because I was just different they just they didn't really want to um talk to me or make yeah, conversation engage. and yeah engage with me and I felt like I felt really um really behind left out yeah I felt like why why is it that because I am different from you that you have to judge me and, you know, think, oh, well, you're lower than me, whatever, mm. or I'm higher than you because, you know, I'm just, I'm a, I've got better looks, so I've got more acceptable looks. You know, the, the average looking person, you're not, you're not really normal looking. And so to really go into other castings and to um, see that firsthand, I was like, wow, like this is a cutthroat industry. Like yeah. I, I didn't really know what I was getting myself <laughs> into, man. I was like, should I really be doing this? I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be around these girls. They're acting like bitches. I was like, shit. I was like, I don't want to be here anymore. But, um, but I remember coming back from one of my castings, uh, my first castings, and I was talking with my mom, and she goes, you know what? Who cares what they say? Who cares? Because you're different, the client might feel like, oh, wow, she's she looks like no one else here in this mm-hmm. room, so they're going to remember me. Yeah. She was like, take that on board. Why don't, why don't you just embrace it, you know? Why don't you embrace your difference? Mm-hmm. And I, was, I, I, looked, I looked at it and I was like, why? Like, why, why do I feel so... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Like self-conscious? Yeah, why do I feel so self-conscious about all these girls? Yeah. When I should embrace that because I'm different, they're going to remember me. Because mm-hmm. I'm not like them, they're going to remember me. Yeah. And so to have that support from my family and every time I would, you know, get knocked down, they would have my back 100%, mm. which was amazing because I definitely know if I didn't have them, you know, pushing me and every time I would get down, they would push me and they would I would get right back up 100% was stronger, way more stronger than I was. And I feel like if I didn't have those little um, little minor setbacks, then obviously I still wouldn't be in the modeling industry. I felt like I needed to go through that and I needed to see – um, what the modeling industry really was like, you know, because mm. everyone sees this glamorous part of that and, you know, all these um, cute photos. Yeah. And no one really knows what goes into 
that industry yeah and to really see it firsthand and I was like oh wow like this is cutthroat this is scary I was like you know what why can't I be that girl to try and open the doors for other girls yeah for other women Mm. to be to embrace that difference can like can I be that platform can I be that girl and when I had to talk to my mom about this and my family they were like do it why not do it if that's what you want to do go and so I did it 100% I put all of that all of all of me into that and I just thought to myself you know what I don't care what society thinks or Mm. what anyone thinks about me and about the modeling industry and why I should or I shouldn't go into it I don't care what anyone else thinks as long as I have my own back as long as my family has my back then that's all I need and I took that and I ran with it and it has got me so far and other places that I'm going at the moment Mm. which is amazing it's it's great to feel that confidence within myself and to feel like I don't care what anyone says about me Mm. like yes it might be insulting but that's how you feel you know that's not I'm not going to let your feelings rub onto me yeah I will go and do that because you're not going to stop me whoever you are no one's going to stop me and so that that definitely came from you know um experience seeing that for myself and putting myself in uncomfortable situations you need to step outside of the box so you can grow you can progress and Mm -hmm. so I feel like not only my family but me like I did this for myself as well like I supported myself 100% I would always say to my grandfather you know I'll do I'm gonna do this for you like I'm, I'm gonna I'm definitely gonna become this model and earn so much money so I can pay all your debts or so I can do all of this for you and I remember him telling me all the time, don't say that. He'd be like, don't ever say that to anyone. Don't say that you're going to do it for them. Do it for you. If you want to do something, do it purely for yourself. Yeah. You know, just remember to always care and worry about yourself as much as everyone else. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like to have to have that talk with my grandfather was amazing. To have that male connection as well because I didn't grow up with a dad. So to have my grandfather there, you know, telling me and... Um, giving me knowledge and all these wise, wise thoughts and everything. So I was like, I've got my family with me. I've got me. I've got my confidence. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, I've got society and I've got non-Indigenous people. I've mm-hmm. got that judgment and I've got this whole cutthroat industry. What's the worst that can happen? <laughs> I can go in there and I can fail a couple of times and then succeed or I can go. I can. I cannot go in there and not try it all, and I will never know yeah. what, what would ha- what would have happened, mm-hmm. or I will never know what um, what change I would have made if if I didn't go into that industry. What other girls didn't do if I didn't do it. Yeah. So to have that, um, it was very pressuring to have that pressure on my back, and my mum mm-hmm. would always remind me that she'd be like, you know what? Whenever you feel like you need to, whenever you feel like you don't want to do it anymore, just remember there are other people relying on you as well. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like. When I do feel like giving up, I just got to remember that there are other people that don't have the power to do this. There are other people that wasn't raised like me or yeah. there are other people that don't have as much as confidence like me. And to be that um, to be that person that breaks those barriers mm. for those people just to come into this industry or whatever industry they want is it's, – it's really um, – it's amazing. I feel yeah. – I, I really feel like – like I'm making changes not only in Australia but in the whole world. Yeah. You know, in the whole world, not just First Nations people of Australia but First Nations people everywhere in the world. Yeah. So it was like if if I don't do it, who else is going to do it? Yeah. So exactly. when I first seen Samantha Harris, I was just like, you know what, there needs uh, to be more. There's only one. 
that needs to be hateful stunning yeah have you ever worked with brands where you're kind of like I feel like obviously you don't have to name them but have felt as though they're not really appreciating you for who you are and like what your values are but more so as just like a tool to kind of appeal to the masses and seem like they're inclusive yeah definitely so that there was this one runway show that I did I think it was 2017 and I opened up for this runway show and um, I remember getting ready and getting changed and everything and I had this um, makeup artist there and she was just like oh what nationality are you and I was like oh I'm Aboriginal and she's just like what you don't look Aboriginal you're the prettiest Aboriginal girl I've ever seen Mm. and I was like huh that's um that's a compliment she was just like oh yeah baby yeah yeah totally it was definitely a compliment and I was just like oh okay so you're one of those people right mm. and so um yeah wherever I go in this industry there's always going to be that one person you mm. know that doesn't really um know about diversity and um the insulting questions and yeah you know all those sayings of the touchy subjects they don't really know because they've never been really educated about it which is totally understandable but this is 2019 now mm. Australia and non um people non-people of color really need to push their game up they really need to understand they need to start learning themselves stop using that oh but i didn't grow up in that environment so i'm just not gonna learn about it i won't worry about it like no this is a matter of you and the world Mm -hmm. like you need to connect with the world what are we why are we here you know why are we here in this world we need to start coming together we need to start working together if we want a better world if we want a better outcome and so when i was there and i felt like I was the only person of the only woman of color, the only different woman, you yeah. know, in that not not being I didn't feel normal. If mm. whatever normal feels like, I just didn't feel it. And so, yeah, I felt like if you're I feel like if you're a person of color of no color, then I feel like you need to really understand on both sides. Mm. You need to educate yourself on both sides. There are so many tools out there. There's everything out there for you to learn. Go and educate yourself. There is no excuse whatsoever for not educating yourself about Mm. people of colour, people of non-colour, whatever, whatever it is. Go and educate yourself about that because it is going to make a change in this world Mm. and there needs to be more changes in this world. Yeah. When it comes to, like, makeup artists, have you had, like, good experiences with them just, like, understanding your skin tone and stuff? Yeah, definitely. I feel like there are a lot more makeup artists that cater to women of colour now, which is amazing. Yeah, which is Because when I first started in the industry, Mm. you know, I'd go to shoots and they would get the wrong colour. Or they would, like, put some... Or they would expect you to bring your own Yeah, they'd be like, oh, can you bring your foundation? And it's like, why should I bring my foundation when the other girls don't have to go through that hassle? Exactly, yeah. You you definitely feel left out. You definitely feel... Like you're, you know, that token black mm. person. You're just like, oh, okay, right. Yeah. Well, I'm here to do this job, but am I really doing the job? Or are mm. you like, what's what's going on here? Like, yeah. like I've done some shoots, and because obviously, like I'm much darker than you, that mm-hmm. sometimes I look really like ashy. Yeah, like yeah. so easily, yeah. and I would literally get so nervous going on shoots and just being like, I would always just bring my makeup just in case definitely i always bring my makeup back everywhere i go whether they're professional makeup artists whether you have a big name or not it doesn't matter just in case because it's a lot of the times that they'll use the same products that they'll use on like a caucasian person and obviously when they use like something that's white it like goes into their skin seamlessly but then obviously with my it's going to be quite 
you know, you're going to be able to see that you're putting, like, white stuff on yeah. your skin. Yeah. And I've had so many experiences like that. And, like, my aunt is so funny. But, like, um, she's always like, Cynthia, if you don't like the makeup, speak up. It yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, it's your face. Yeah. And That's your like, name going on the line. That's your mm. face. You want people to see you for who you are, not for what they want you to be. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, let me just go through my questions. Yeah, my mom's like that all the time. Mm. When Whenever I go to shoots and I would FaceTime her and I'd be like mom like look at this makeup like I don't want to roast it but like what did they do to my face it doesn't even match with my neck like they've done it completely wrong she'd be like you know what fix it that is your that is your right that is your birthright to go fix your face because if you're going into the shoot uncomfortable then those those photos are just going to turn out crap that's Mm. a waste of the clients um money that's the waste of my time and energy that's Mm. just the whole um team just just a waste of time you know waste of time energy and money how do you even approach a situation like that because i get a bit nervous Mm -hmm. like because i don't want to like insult the makeup yeah definitely yeah yeah that's very touchy like looking at my face and being like the skin tone is just not right yeah yeah like how do you approach that so usually when I am getting my makeup done and they're like coming to an end and you can see that mm. they're coming to an end, I'd be like, oh, um, can you just quickly fix like a bit of this or like just ask them really nicely. Just mm. come across total nice about it. Not mm. be like, oh, you know what? That doesn't even go with my neck. Mm. I'm very, um, very self-conscious about it. Don't do that. I'd be... I'd come off really nice and I'd be like, you know what? Um, can you just fix a bit of this up? I feel like this doesn't match with my neck. Mm. Um, or I feel like this is too black for me or this is mm. too white, whatever it is, I'd, I'd have, like, you know, a nice conversation with them because I feel like if you're not, then they're not going to learn either. They're yeah, not going to grow. They're going to go gonna on to the next black girl and do the same thing. thing. So if I don't do that, then they're just going to keep on going and going yeah. and going. So I feel like if you put a stop to it right there <laughs> and then and tell them, you know what, I'm going to pull you up real quick <laughs> and be nice about it. I love you. You're the best, but this is not me. So if you could just change it real quick or if you want me to do it, I'd be happy mm. to. Whatever it is, I just, you know, I want to look my best. Yeah. Because that's my name. That's that's me on yeah. going out there. It's not you. You know, that's yeah. my look. You know, that's, that's me. And mm. so to put yourself in that situation and kind of step out of that box and be a bit uncomfortable, you have to do that. Otherwise, yeah. there's going to be other hundreds of women out there that are going to feel uncomfortable exactly how you feel. Mm. So I feel like whenever you feel uncomfortable about those little situations, you definitely have to ask yourself, um, do you want any other girls to go through this? Yeah. If not, then do something about it. Change it. Do it yeah. right there and then. Otherwise, there's no going back. Mm. Yeah. All the yeah. photos are just going to be ridiculous. And yeah. they're going to go everywhere. And you're just going to be like, oh, regretting it. I should have, I should have, I could have, I would have. Yeah. yeah. I think that's one of, like, because by nature, like, I'm very, like, I wouldn't say I'm very shy, but I'm, like, reserved. Yeah, definitely. Um, so... What I've noticed in the past that a lot of the times, you know, people have made, like, passing by comments to me that, like, in their heads, they didn't, like, think it was offensive. Yeah, yeah. But then, like, there were just so many specific comments that I can literally think of that people have said to me. And in that situation, like, me not speaking up and Mm -hmm. it's really, really been, you know, like, probably last year that I've been like, Cynthia, like, you need to be able to speak up and even that thing you were saying that it's not so much that you need to like attack that person but more so just create like an environment and a conversation that you're able to kind of be like this is how this makes me feel and this is why this isn't right and Mm -hmm. I think through like conversation and just kind of like pushing yourself out of your 
comfort zone yeah. is kind of one of the ways of dealing with racism for sure. or even yeah. like overcoming it because yeah. if you never say anything like me sometimes it's just gonna like you know continue happening exactly yeah. yeah it'll keep happening to the next person and so forth yeah, yeah but what I've even found really cool is like because when I think of racism you know a lot of the times people like to think that it's only like a specific group sort of problem yep. like it's only those people's problem mm. but I think that it's everyone's problem Definitely, yeah but it's like a human it involves the whole world it's, yeah. yeah it involves the whole human of nature yeah literally and so I like, I find it so cool that when, you know, people of Caucasian heritage or someone who is just more so, like, a majority, mm-hmm. like, speaks up and is able to be like, no, dude, like, that isn't right. Or, yeah, like, definitely. you know? And I yeah. feel as if everyone kind of had that, like, mentality and didn't just see it's it as, It's empowering like, to see that non- yeah. non-person of colour do that and step up and get uncomfortable in their society and try yeah. and push for a better change. Yeah. It's very empowering. It rubs off to other people and it'll rub off to non- more non-people of colour, mm. which is so cool. Like, we need more people out there because it's not a base of um, people of colour and racism. It's a base of human rights, basic human rights, mm. what all humans should get, you know, mm. what all – we all be uh, – we all – we're all deserving of – a right treatment we're all deserving of equal treatment no matter if you're a girl boy um mm. short tall black white doesn't matter yeah we are all deserving of that basic human rights mm. definitely um when you were growing up like especially in high school like what was that experience of like grade 12 and like your you know people yeah being in that grade so i went to centenary state high for i think it was like I first went to high school, Centenary State High, like grade eight, grade nine. Mm. Um, so when we were going there, there were a couple of um, Aboriginal people and most of them were like, you know, Caucasian and stuff. Mm. But um, I grew up with, in uh, in my little friends group, were mainly Caucasian girls. Mm. There was one Fiji girl, um, me, my twin sister, and um, yeah, mostly Caucasian girls. And to grow up in that friends group, was really suffocating. I felt like I couldn't really be me. I felt like I had to hide myself. Um, through, throughout the whole of high school, I felt very uncomfortable being yeah. Aboriginal. I did not feel proud when I was, you know, when I was little going to middle school um, in, in Murray School in Casey Ridge. That's That was really proud. That was really confident for me to see other Aboriginal people as well and learn and um, educate each other with Aboriginal people and being around that um, that environment, that society of mm. mainly um, predominantly Aboriginal people. Yeah. And then to go to a high school where there weren't that many Aboriginal people was really, really scary. And I felt like I had to not dumb myself down, but kind of um, not be me, yeah. try and be someone else, try and be, you know, that typical white girl mm. or that typical ca- Caucasian girl or just, just not be me so I could fit in. Which was it, it? Now I look back at it and I'm like, wow, I feel embarrassed. Like you know, that, that's, Are you friends that's with just so people? weird. I'm I'm not friends with them anymore because the things that they used to say, I would kind of they would make like Aboriginal jokes and mm. they would um, say really insulting things that when I was then and there, I'd laugh back on it. I'd be like, oh lol, like kind of shrug it off. Yeah, and then tell my mum later on about it, and she'd be like, you know, you should have said something. And I said, oh no no no, like it's okay, like it didn't really insult me. 
but it would really insult me. I would just try and feel like I would just try and dumb it down and be like, no, like it's all good. Like I don't care. Like I've got tough skin. I'm a tough woman. Whatever. Yeah. And because I didn't say anything, they kept on doing it. They did it throughout grade nine, and I hated high school from day dot from that day that um, from all those days from grade nine in Centenary State High School and being it coming from your own friends even. Mm that insulting, um, not understanding different cultural backgrounds. Yeah. It, it was really, really, really um, frightening and just really emotional for me. I, I remember going to school in grade eight and grade nine and just hating it. I started mm-hmm. self-harming. I started um, hating myself. I, I wanted to be skinnier. Mm-hmm. I wanted to have white skin. I straightened my hair. I did not like my curly hair at all. Mm-hmm. I would straighten my hair every day. I was I was trying so hard to be someone that I wasn't mm-hmm. and my mum would see that all my family could see that and so they said you know what we need to go to a different high school this is not happening anymore you're not um, you're not really growing you're just trying to be someone else yeah. that's not growing that's just that's denying of your true self mm-hmm. so they could see that um, they could see that I wasn't happy at all I was just you know trying to be happy trying to put that smile on and so we went to um, back to Murray School, which was amazing. That was really, really good. And then we moved houses. I think it was um, Park Road. And then we went to Yoronga State High School. Mm. And oh, I absolutely is... love Yoronga State High School. Yeah. My mum went there and all of her sisters went there. And they said it was amazing. So, so they thought, why not go there? Yeah, yeah. There was, it, it was like find the Caucasian person, mm. you know. So when you went to, when I went, when I first went to that high school, I was like, what? in the world I was like is this really a high school like yeah. what the hell like this is crazy we've mm. got we've got pseudos we've got Asians we've got Caucasians we've got everyone we've got New Zealanders we've got everyone we've got Polynesians people yeah. from all over the world it was amazing <laughs> to be in that space and to to really learn about other people's cultures it was mm. so interesting growing up I think it was grade 10 uh, or like at the end of grade 10 grade 11 grade 12 I finished at Yoronga State High School and I don't regret it at all. Mm. Yoronga State High School was such an amazing school. I absolutely loved it. It definitely played a part in who I am today. Mm. And um, to learn about other people's cultures and not just know about, you know, the Caucasian culture, mm. um, religion and, you know, that society. And to learn about other cultural backgrounds and people of colour was amazing. I felt like we had so much more in common. I could really connect with those people because they went through similar things that I went through throughout Mm. my whole life. And so we could really connect and to connect with non-Indigenous people, but they are of colour was such a, was such a, like such an amazing experience. Mm. I felt so comfortable with um, asking more people questions and whether it, whether I'd think it would be insulting or not, I would try and ask them in a more um, comfortable way try and um Mm. nice about trying to be nice about you know and so for that um to to have that experience and go to younger state high school um definitely made me confident to Mm. ask anyone or whatever whatever question whoever you are whatever color you are um it definitely made me more confident to you know to engage with anyone in the world because there was about i'm pretty sure there was about i think they said like 1200 people in the school when i was there and there was like not even 10%. They said like 5 or 6% like white people. Yeah. 
and they had that they had that big on the board um in everyone everyone to see when we had mass and i was like ha oh, i was like hilarious. this needs to be shown everywhere like multicultural yeah. schools need to be everywhere mm. definitely needs to be everywhere finishing up who are you like if someone had to be like who are you like how, like what would you say yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when um mm-hmm. I'll say this really quick because because me and my family we run a cultural and competence training mm-hmm. for all businesses um, schools as well um, Australia wide called the Black Card. Mm-hmm. We uh, before we start our sessions we go around in a circle instead of me like in you know when people sitting in class and yeah. you'd be like I'd be telling you to do this write this or whatever that's it that um, that normalized teacher yeah. kind of look. It's we don't run any kind of classes like that it's Mm. more so we sit in a circle and we are having conversations with everyone we are connecting on um, a more personal level Mm. so we go around in the circle before we start anything we'd be like um so what's your name where do you come from um how many family members you have in your family where do you live um it's not what do you do yeah um or you know all that all that other stuff all that crap um, you know, what's your what's your title kind of thing. Nah, we totally throw that out of the window, that business side of getting to know each other. Yeah. It's more like, you know, who what are, who are you? Yeah. What, what, where do you come from? What's your cultural background? Do you have kids? Yeah. What's your family like? So when it comes to me, I'd be like, uh, my name is Gayala Bales. Um, my grandfather was always, would always remind me to say my full name. He would never be like, don't say your nickname because it's not on your birth certificate. Um, that's not your birth given name. Your name is Gayala. That is your Aboriginal name. It came from the Birigaba tribe and you will use that name until you die. <laughs> He's like, you're not changing your name. That That is your name. Um, so when I do introduce myself, I say, yes, my name is Gayala Brimble Bales. I come from the Birigaba and Wanneroo tribe. I was born here in Brisbane, but I was later on raised in Sydney. I have a twin sister, a little brother. I live with my mum and I am Aboriginal, obviously. And I have a bit of Irish background and South Yonder background as well. Um, and, yeah, and whatever you want to know, I'm an open book. Mm, <laughs> so that, that's that. that's how I introduce myself. And I feel like when I introduce myself to other people like that, I feel like they feel more comf- comfortable in saying in saying who they are. Yeah. And saying, you know, oh, well, I come from here. And whether you're Indigenous or non-Indigenous, person of colour or per- person of non-colour, mm. it, it wouldn't really matter if I introduce myself like that to anyone, I'd feel like I I officially broke that barrier of um, don't don't yeah. come in between my personal space. I broke it totally, mm-hmm. and they feel more comfortable to interact with me, mm-hmm. which is amazing. I feel like everyone should use that, and we've started using that in businesses, and they've gone on and they've started to use that in their meetings. Mm-hmm. So instead of um, having you know like a business meeting and they'd yeah. be writing stuff on the board and they'd be like, well, this is what we need to do, and blah blah blah. They'd be like, okay, so who are you and what are you what do you, uh, not what do you do, but where do you come from? Mm-hmm. And to break that barrier, they would, they would, they, they'd come back and they'd have it. They would email us back and they'd be like, "Wow, like this is so much better mm. than saying our title." Yeah. Now I know what she's going through. Now I understand who, why she is who she is, or whoever she is, or what he is, or who she, who he is. Mm. Now I understand him a hundred percent. You know. Yeah. And I feel like when you're breaking barriers like that, 
from day dot you're um you're building a relationship with that person mm. not only on a business level but a more uh personal level yeah which is amazing i feel like all people should have that wherever you go whether you're in business or you know just personal life or whatever mm. you do people should start introducing themselves as to where they are and who they come who they are and where they come from mm. because i feel like you just I don't need to ask you any questions. You don't need to ask me any questions. Mm. Let's just have a normal conversation and get on with our lives, you know? Yeah. And I feel like it's it's breaking those barriers of um, them knowing that that's my personal um, information that I'm telling you. Mm. And so you already know what the, what the barriers that we broke and you know what the barriers of the fine line of not to cross over. Yeah. So to introduce myself like that is is amazing. I feel like I've learned I that, that. I, I learned that from my family, and it's been passed on from generation to generation, and that's come from our culture. Mm-hmm. And so to teach other people about that, and not many people know that when we do introduce ourselves like that, they don't know that it comes from Aboriginal culture, mm-hmm. or it comes from it comes from many cultures around the world. But this is what we've been taught from our culture, so we would we would love to share it because it's going to educate more people and it's going to bring people together. It's going to unite people. (laughs) Um, I love asking people the same sets of questions at the end of every podcast Mm -hmm. and stuff. Um, So, who has influenced you the most in your life? Um, Definitely my grandfather, Tiger Bales, and my mother, Yarika Bales, and my grandfather's uh, mother, uh, Maureen Watson. Why? Uh, mostly, uh, well, it comes from the from my grand, great my great grandmother Maureen Watson because she first broke the barriers of being that um, that typical Aboriginal woman that came from nothing, mm. and she turned that nothing into something. Mm. She was raised in the bush. They didn't have a house. They had a tin humpy living on uh, off the land and you know going hunting living like how we lived many years ago and for her to break those barriers um she was so ahead of her time and to look back on that so many years ago and to be like wow like and this is what people are doing now and it's still happening to be like wow like she was one of the first aboriginal women to actually stand up and do something about uh, about our problems and situations going on in Australia, I felt like there needs to be more people like this, and so I got most of my um, in, all that influence yeah. mainly from her because then it passed down to her son, my grandfather, and then it passed down to her his daughter, my mother, mm-hmm. and so to have that mm-hmm. come from that one, yeah, you that know, great grandmother, that one woman, yeah, was like wow. Well, where do I get all these influences mm-hmm. from? It comes from so many of my family. It comes from not just one Aboriginal woman, but she could have got that from her grandmother or mm. her mother's mother. You know, yeah. we don't know. Yeah. So it, I, I would like to say that it, it mainly came from my great-grandmother, Maureen Watson. Yeah, I love that. Living or dead, who would you invite for dinner? That is a really interesting question. I've never <laughs> been asked this question before. <laughs> who would I invite? can be anyone. I would definitely invite... Can it be one person or can it be a couple of people? <laughs> One person. One person, all right. Probably the MP at the moment, Scott oh, Morrison. Really? Yeah, probably him right now. Mm-hmm. I definitely know, not only do I want to have a conversation with him, but I know a lot of people want to have conversations with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of people write letters to him, and obviously he never writes back, mm-hmm. just looks at them, blah, 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 whatever, get on with his life. Mm-hmm. But I would definitely love to have a chat with him or um, any PM before him or after him. Any, yeah, yeah. 
anyone to become before or after him so that they can really understand and not mm. um, just come from one Aboriginal person's perspective but touch bases on other Aboriginal people's perspectives mm. because not one Aboriginal person thinks the same. Yeah. You know, we all have different opinions like anyone else in this world. So I feel like if I had to put my... Um, if I spoke to him about my opinions and what we should or what we shouldn't do and what we can change and what he can hear from a young Aboriginal person growing up in Australia today because I feel like young people's words, they don't get utilised a lot mm-hmm. in today's society where they should because we play a big part in this world. You know, yeah. we are the next generation. We are stepping up. We need to step up our game. We need to start um, We need to start making people hear our voices. You know, mm-hmm. all of our voices are here. We just need to speak more loud and people need to hear it. Mm-hmm. And so I definitely think I'd, yeah, I'd, I would invite a couple of PMs over, a couple of politicians. It would definitely be um, a quite interesting talk, conversation, um, very touchy conversation, but a conversation that'd be very well needed, very well needed, and um, very well crafted as well. So yeah, yeah couple politics. <laughs> I love that. Um, and if you had one day to live, what meal would you eat? Well, I went back to being vegan again, so I'm like, oh, really? I don't eat meat anymore. <laughs> so I'm like, hmm, <laughs> some chicken or I don't know. <laughs> um, probably kangaroo. I absolutely love kangaroo. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I am a vegan, but I if I was to go back to my own country, um, oh, well, I call it my country because that's what Aboriginal people call it. Like, we're not saying we're going to go back yeah. overseas to another yeah, country. Yeah. Um, when we say we come from that country we want to go back to that country we mean that country as um mm-hmm. our tribe yeah so we're not talking about australia as a whole we're like uh, you know okay. that's our tribe so we'll call it our country yeah so when i go back to my country i like we go hunting and um you know we eat all of our native food and bush tucker foods and everything but if i was to buy it in the shop i don't know what they put in it i don't mm-hmm. know what where it came from i don't know how it passed away i don't yeah. know if they did you know, if they tr- mis- mistreated that animal, I don't know, one knows. And so um, that's the reason I went back to being a vegan. So I'd probably have some kangaroo because I absolutely love kangaroo. Mm-hmm. Um, I would go hunting for it myself because I don't trust supermarkets and what they do with all the meat or brands yeah. and everything in Australia. All the slaughterhouse stuff. Don't want to mm. touch base with that. But yeah, I'm a vegan, but I love kangaroo. <laughs> so I'd probably have kangaroo. <laughs> um, what's the best advice you've ever received? lead by example my mum always said ever since I was little Mm -hmm. um, and ever since my little brother um, was born she always said lead by example Mm -hmm. she said if you um, think about it this way if you didn't want an older person that you utilize doing something that you wouldn't do then don't do it you need to lead by example and so that people can follow in your tracks or do better um, and learn by mistakes as well um if you had one message to spread to the whole world what would it be for our listeners (laughs) (laughs) I think my message because everything that I talk about is always about um, basic human rights and equality so I feel like and and that's what my grandmother and her grandmother before that were fighting for was equality Mm. for everyone in this world not just indigenous Australians or first nations people of Australia but everyone in this world to have equality whether you're black or white um skinny dark whatever short tall it doesn't matter where you come from who you are at the end of the day we're all human we all bleed red if I cut you you're gonna bleed red just like me 
um, accept me for who I am because I'm going to accept you for who you are because at the end of the day we're all humans mm. we all come from one creator we all have our own different beliefs and religion and spirituality but at the end of the day there is only one creator and mm. we all come from that one creator and so we are all human and we all need to really um, really need to remember that we really mm. need to remember that it doesn't matter what color you are because if I cut you inside we're all going to look the same inside mm. you know so I think Definitely my my message would be that we are all equal. Girl, boy, it does not matter what consequences, nothing. doesn't matter what barriers are there. We are all human. We are all equal and we all deserve to be treated rightly. I love that. Um, and also, I really loved your post that you had on Facebook, that poem that you um, wrote about, like, um, Australia Day. Yeah. Would you be able to read that For out sure, to our listeners? Yes. It's so good. So all my things I write in my notes, which is so reliable. <laughs> I really shouldn't rely on my notes. I do notes, that but... sometimes as well. Yeah. Just like... Like, I've just gotten sick of holding yeah. that pencil and the book in my bag. Yeah. So I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to keep it all on my phone. <laughs> So, here it goes. <laughs> if I came to your country and walked into your family's house uninvitedly, took everything you owned, took your kids away as well and put them in separate homes, you try to fight me, but you are no match to the numerous of men I have, you see. Murdered your mum and dad right in front of your face, then took your husband or wife away and forced them to work without no pay. What's left of you now after I force you to be my maid, do everything I say, you're mine now, my slave. You're thousands of miles away from home. Your children have grown. You are property to the states. Then you die of old age in a house you wanted to escape but had nowhere to run away. Now the people that did this to you and your whole race will celebrate that day. Even 230 plus years later, their descendants and newcomers to your land will celebrate this awful day. But won't remember your suffering or pain, the real significance of this day. But we'll remember this day as a new society was born. A society that didn't include you or your people who survived the act of genocide. A world for only the whites. Renamed your country, turned it into something that you and your ancestors who lived in harmony for more than 60,000 years would never approve of. Forced to live under a new law. And as if watching people who call themselves Australians celebrate a day full of mourning and suffering for your race wasn't enough. The things we have to face from day to day, treated like second-class citizens on our own country and society doesn't care what we have to say. Haven't paid your fines, well tough luck, you're lucky to live in a cell every night. Don't fight as deaths in custody for your people is increasingly high. Why do we as First Nations people of this land have to validate our feelings and fight to change such a simple date? We're not going to sit here and pretend that we're all happy Australians because this day does not include us but rather excludes us. Just remember what First Nations people had to go through on this awful day and what we have to face today. For you Australians to live comfortably on this beautiful land that my ancestors ran, their blood had to be bled, their tears were shed, and their death paid for your life to be lived this way. Just remember what really happened on this horrific day. Call it what you want, for I know what the 26th of January means to me, and if a person wants to celebrate this day by all means, for I am tired of fighting and wasting my breath each year just to give in to the Western mentality of divide and conquer. This day is a day of division, and the government wants us all to fight about changing the date. For if we were all to unite, what do you think the government were to say? Do you think there would be any more hate if we all came together to unify as a whole human race on this significant day? Abolish the date. 
Let's talk about why you still take our kids away, why they're still failing in your world today, why the suicide and incarceration rate is increasing rapidly, why we still don't have land rights access to all our country, why you won't engage with First Nations people of this land who know how to run it inadequately. You're failing our country. How do you not see that? Our water is turning to poison. Our animals are dying. The air is polluted. Are you even trying? The evidence is all there that your way of life doesn't work. It is not sufficient for my people, nor is it fair. We have to live with the problems and you don't even care. Give us a chance. We know the solutions. Why is there no treaty yet? Five Aboriginal girls committed suicide over a nine-day period the media never said. But they love to talk about Indigenous people and our affairs. When will Australia clean its act up and start, act and start including us in our rights that we have been denied for way too long now? Look past the date. It's time to reevaluate. Listen to what we have to say if you want a better future for the whole human race. And on that note, thank you so much for coming on the Taylor podcast. I enjoyed that so much. And we'll catch you another time. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you for listening to Taylor. To explore more Taylor things, visit the blog at taylor.me. You'll find further articles, visuals, and a space to think, learn, and grow. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.